The Tumblers Willie podcast, episode 9, Wise Beyond His Years, The David Hunch Story, part 1. Hello and welcome back, all you tumbleheads. I'm Andy Barbro, American television writer. I'm Andy Stanton, British children's author, and as I'm sure you know by now, we are here once again to get to grips with Tumblr's Willy. Tumblr's Willy, yeah, yeah, the longest running, not just British series, but I believe the longest running television show anywhere in the world. It's won every accolade under the sun, everything from BAFTA awards to the Golden Rose of Thranos. It regularly scoops the boards. Yeah, it's won OBEs. Uh, the Queen has personally knighted the show. Yes, on uh, a number of occasions. But I think it begs the question, Andy, uh, when a program does get to be as extraordinarily successful as uh, right, this one has right. become, how does it remain fresh? Right, right. How does it maintain its, its tenure at the very top? Right, because there are fallow periods, there are lulls. Fa- fallow lulls, yes. Right, right, right. And, you know, that's really what we're looking at today, one such lull, a point at which Tumblr's Willie finds itself, well, not for the first time in its history, but uh, finds itself not quite so culturally relevant, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, not not so much at the heart of British life, I think. Mm. Like Mm-mm. the sheen's coming off. Or, or no longer on the cutting edge. D- uh, right, m- more in the cutting middle, I would say. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, to be fair... I think in some ways it's not so much the fault of the show itself during this period as uh, mm, something yeah. that's, you know, endemic really to that time. Um, mm-hmm. So I want you to cast your mind back to that time, Andy, uh, back to the early 1990s. And I want you to imagine a very satisfied cat. Mm, mm-hmm. And if you, if you can do that, then I would say that you're well on the way to imagining the metaphor that I'm working towards. Yeah, yeah, just 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 a cat, uh, a really uh, plump, not a care in the world. Yeah, a, a plump cat, grooming himself maybe, or absolutely just sleeping in a in a ray of sunshine. Yeah, it could be, could be. Uh, yeah, or you know, yeah. even so lazy that he gets uh, actually has other cats groom him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm like so. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, that, that kind of thing. Literally yeah. literally has other cats. Yeah, do, doing his cleaning for him. Yeah, yeah, at his behest. Yeah, yeah. And then, but what I want to say is that this cat, this is the picture I'm trying to paint. Uh, mm, such a lazy cat. Right. But this cat was Britain in the 90s. Oh, right. Amazing. So this was how easy and how frictionless society had become by the late 20th century. So this is how you felt growing up in Britain at at that time? Is that what you're saying? Well, I would say that's almost exactly how I felt, Andy. Uh, Right, right. Just just that that fat cat just being licked. Yeah, and then, well, not just me, you know, uh, I would say... Of course not. uh, I'd say a lot of young men and women were feeling the same way, very much so, and... Oh, of course, yeah. You know, I used to... Well, we all did back then. We used to to tape artificial whiskers to our faces. uh, Yeah, that's what... Yes, yeah, I, I remember that phase, yeah. And I think it was as if to say, well, this is what we've become. Do we like it? Yes and no. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the States, we were doing tails. Like, ah, right. like a lot of people were just gluing cat tails yeah, onto yeah, themselves. Yeah, and yeah. It was very fashionable, yeah. Yeah, and it was a big thing. It was, oh, it uh, was huge, yeah. It was, uh, did, did, did you do the ears? 
in the States as well? We didn't, uh, we did see some ears come across the border uh-huh. uh, from Canada. Canada was very fond of the ears. Uh, oh, right. How, how many ears would they typically do up there? Cause, uh, they would do, they would do between two and 16. They'd do that many ears? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were very well off. Uh-huh. Canada's an incredibly wealthy country. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. How many ears would you guys do in, in the UK? How would you do the ears? Well, we'd usually just do two a piece and call it a day. Uh, mm, mm. If it was a national holiday, we might do mm. four, four or five. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, yeah. But like the whiskers, were, the whiskers were almost mandatory for anyone in their teens or early twenties back then. Oh yeah, yeah, de rigueur. Yeah, yeah. The ears were sort of well, a little bit of extra fun. You could take them or leave them, but um, mm-hmm, right, right. But at the same time, it was painful fun. All of this because I think deep down we did know that we were only dressing up like cats because I, I think really we had become discontent with our pampered cat-like existences, Andy. So true, so true, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was almost, hmm. yeah, it, w- it was like an ironic celebration. The, 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 there was a yearning in it. There was basically yeah, yeah. a, you'd see someone dressed as a cat and you'd say, oh yeah, hi, meow, you know. Yeah, how are you doing? Nice to see you, meow. Yeah, exactly, it, it was jaded. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was a very bittersweet mm. sort of, you know, I think really a shibboleth was crossed when, um, you know, it started popping up in Tumblr's Willy. You know, mm. some of the cast members of Tumblr's started dressing up as cats themselves. Oh my God. During yeah. the actual show. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a shock. It was a real shock that this societal malaise should actually bleed into, should make itself manifest in this beloved fictional world of Tumblr's. Ugh. I mean, I think that's when people yeah. started to get really quite worried, actually. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it was still a very malaise sort of worry. You know, they said, oh, meow, this is concerning. Yeah, yeah. But again, I've got memories from that time, and I do remember on street corners or in the marketplace in the middle of town, you know. Uh, mm, marketplaces, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do remember a lot a lot of people milling around in marketplaces, just worried, just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I think the mood the was, uh, oh, meow. There's a lot of yeah, malaise yeah. around, Meh, and it's right. even on Tumblr's Willy these days. People were saying this is, uh, yeah. you know, this is probably a sign that something's got to change. And yeah, mm. yeah, and look, I mean, the director of Tumblr's at that time that that was enough for him. Well, very much so. He resigned uh, in malaise. Yeah, in in malaise. Yeah, he yeah. said meow, meow. He said, yeah. uh, which was at that point just, I mean, that word said everything basically. Well, it was kind of you know the way the Smurfs used the word Smurf. It was like that, really. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Just meow. Ubiquitous. Yeah. Meow. I'm pretty much out of here. I no longer want to be at the helm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he furiously sauntered out at his leisure. Yeah. He resigned. I think he ended up moving to Luxembourg. Ah, yeah. Where he became a layabout. Right, 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 right. Did very well for himself as as a layabout, I heard. Yeah, yeah, he became one of their top layabouts. Yeah, that, well, there's a success story right there. Cause, Certainly, uh, good for him. But, you know, it does yeah. leave rather a problem for the show itself, of course. Uh, mm, yeah, ha- having no director and all. Well, it's rudderless, it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, the director's name was, was actually Jeremy Rudder, right? That's correct, that's correct. Yeah, so the show was literally rudderless. It was literally rudderless. So, yeah, that certainly didn't escape anyone's attention. No, uh, no. A lot of people said, meow, that's apposite. So how did the show's producers, uh, how did the BBC feel about this? Were they worried that their director had just ambled out in a fit of apathy? Well, yes. I mean, in as much as anyone at this point in Britain could be bothered to worry about anything, 
Yeah, they were worried. They thought... Yeah, they, they thought something needs to be done, Meow. Right, let's not let the show fade away just because someone left. Let's at least try to bother to rescue it, Meow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they decide to hire a new director when they eventually get round to it, and they mm. go for an eight-year-old boy, which was quite unusual. Yeah, he's famously young, and I would mm. say underqualified. Yeah, you know? yeah. so, so let's just say really perfectly wrong for the job in so many ways. Yeah, they were playing a hunch, for sure. They were playing a hunch. They were playing a hunch. And so they hire this boy, a David Hunch. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah. another ticklishly appropriate name that the jaded British public responded to Yeah. with a disinterested meow. A- an unimpressed meow, yeah, yeah. Oh, meow. They've literally played a hunch. Right, 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 right. And so here comes David Hunch. Uh, well, it's very interesting how they hired him in the first place because, mm. uh, you know, it was actually completely at random. They, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they just got a map of Britain and yeah. stuck a pin in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then scaled up the map. Uh, yeah, they stuck a pin in a map. Then they blew up a map of that town, threw a pin at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they blew up the map again, threw uh-huh. a pin at that and blew up the new map and so on and so forth to the point where. Right. Were, so they were eventually working at a one to one scale. Yes, yes, to the point where an executive from the BBC Mm. is literally on the street putting a pin into a person's forehead. Right, and that person, as luck would have it, happened to be eight-year-old David, who was on the way to the newsagents to buy a Mars bar. Yeah, he he got more than a Mars bar that day. He certainly did, Andy. You know, whether uh, the actual pin piercing his forehead altered the lad's thought process in any way is very hard to uh, ascertain. um, It it is hard, yeah, yeah, right, right, sure. I mean, we could go back and say that, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, th- this child with a pin in his frontal lobe was either bound for greatness or, or lunacy. But I mean, it's all speculation at this point. The, the fact is, he had a pin stuck in his forehead, and it is what it is. He was the chosen one. Uh, they called him the Big Pin. Yeah, the Big Pin. Yep. David Hunch, the Big Pin. The Big Pin. So uh, the BBC brought him in for a meeting. Uh, they called him in. They said, yeah. David, David, my lad, as you might be aware or not, uh, you've been randomly selected, you lucky boy, uh, to be the new director of Tumblr's Willie. And, uh, you know, yeah. have you got any, uh, you know, where do you see the show going, really? Mm. I mean, talk about putting him on the spot. Yeah, but he looked them right in the eye and he said, well, your scripts are coming in way too fat. Mm-hmm. Your B stories are starting to still focus. And who's color correcting this? I mean, you've got to crush those blacks if you want to stay relevant. Have you seen a music video? And don't even get me started on your ratings. What are you clowns doing? I could triple your numbers as easy as I could shit my pants. Yeah, so he had some ideas, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, he he knew his stuff. Uh, I mean, they'd picked a winner with this hunch kid. Yeah, the random series of pins strategy had once again paid off, because that's how we often select the Prime Minister, too. Right, right, and that always works out great, so... Well, it hasn't failed us yet, but yeah, David Hunch delivers his speech, and there's a moment of silence. You could almost hear a pin drop, you might say. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And uh, the execs turn to each other, and they're grinning from ear to ear, all malaise now instantly forgotten. Yeah, not a meow in the room. Not a meow in the room. This is our chap, said they. His was the forehead... Uh, that destiny decreed. Yeah, yeah. His was the forehead that destiny decreed. Was, I think, their well-turned phrase at the time. So, how does this eight-year-old schoolboy David Hunch, the big pin... The forehead that destiny decreed, how does he set about transforming the show's fortunes? 
Well, he wasted no time at all. He immediately got to work. Yep, he sat right down and he had a little.、Uh, he put together a three-point plan、mm-hmm. to rekindle the audience's interest. And the first point of the plan, he put、uh, number one, buy some Mars bars because he was. Yeah. Well, he'd、yeah. been given a lot of money. Well, he was in charge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he just wanted some Mars bars. So the first thing he did was he bought some Mars bars and he ate some Mars bars. And、um, number two was、uh, buy a better bike. I was just going to say, yeah, then yeah. you know,、uh, yeah, that he got a he got a nice bicycle, yeah. Well, he got a BMX because why not? And、uh, yeah, yeah, you know, number three was like, well, just ride it past this kid at school's house who he didn't much like, and he was just like, oh, yeah, bad yeah. luck, Roger. I got a brilliant bike now. I'm a television director, Roger. Are you? Yeah, make Roger jealous was point three, basically. So, yeah,、uh, yeah, and so that three point plan got kind of like he used up all his points. Yes, yeah, on、um, kid stuff, basically. Right, but. You know, we talk about his genius, and he, here's where he really shows it because he does something instinctively brilliant. He adds a fourth point,、mm. which is make the show a lot better. Right, that was the breakthrough that had eluded the rest of them. That was his insight. Yeah, Ex- exactly. Increase how good the show is, and you know, within a couple of weeks, it really did start paying dividends. Yeah, yeah. Within a couple of weeks, it had simply become a better show. And it continued to get better. It just got so much better. It just got really good, but you know, it、yeah. didn't stop there. It carried on, G- getting even better. It re- yeah, it really was very good by now. I mean, this was Hunch's brilliance. This is what he did. He he had a confidence and a singularity of vision beyond his years. I think he did. He did. He had the confidence and singularity of vision of a ten-year-old. I mean,、uh, trying to make a show better. The the idea was way ahead of its time. Years later, we saw something very similar with The Wire,、uh, which also set out to be actually a, a good show. Well, yeah, they basically stole that whole thing from that one season of Tumblr's Willie. I mean, you know, who were the real criminals in The Wire? The poor schmoes selling spider bags on the streets of Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the show's creators themselves. Precisely. And you know, frankly, they came up short. I mean, The Wire is a very good show, but yeah, yeah. But if you've seen that '93 season of Tumblr's Willie, yes, it's、uh, kind. Of, it's embarrassing. It's, it's not embarrassing. nearly as inventive as many people think.、Mm. But here we are. Tumblr's is going from strength to strength now. Everything's falling right for、mm-hmm. the big pin. The execs love、mm-hmm. him. The public love him. Roger, the kid from school, he doesn't like. Couldn't be more jealous. Right, and yet we know from what Hunch does next that he himself cannot have been satisfied, Andy. Well, yeah, because he's never asked for any of this. He is he a TV savant? Sure. Is it enough for him? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. And why should it be? I mean, when a boy attains the ripe old age of eight, it's only natural that he should take a step back to reflect on all he's achieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about his legacy. I mean, like, what am I trying to say with my work? Exactly. Because look, what has really changed? He's attending all the right parties. He's dating some of the world's most beautiful women.、Uh, he has Michelin-starred chefs on call to cook him delicious Mars bars whenever he fancies. And yet, when he gets back to his bachelor pad after another long day of filming and looks at that gleaming BMX in the driveway, yeah. A whole fleet of BMXs by this point. All gleaming, gleaming BMXs. Yeah, and there's still something missing. You know, he goes upstairs and looks at himself in the mirror and meow, meow. Even the president sometimes has to stand naked. You know, right? He, he's done nothing to change the conversation. He, exactly. He's done nothing to address the malaise of the early nineties. Mm. I mean, if anything, he's added to the complacency because the show's so good. Yeah, the show's great. Everyone in Britain's got basically their needs met.、Uh, yeah, according to Whiffley's hierarchy of needs, sure. Right, Whiffley's hierarchy. Exactly. It's just、yeah. one big meow.、It's、one big meow, and that's when he makes the call to Simon Feathers.
Simon Feathers. Let's talk about Simon Feathers because Hunch and Feathers, I mean, they go together like you rarely hear one name without the other. Right. If you hear Hunch, you can be pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> going to be a Feathers on the way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, the money man, the fixer, Hunch's right hand boy. Yes, the brilliant six-year-old accountant whom Hunch had poached from PricewaterhouseCooper with the promise of a very generous candy bar package. He was Hunch's first hire. He'd been there from day one. Absolutely, but now Hunch needed him as he'd never needed him before, so the phone rings in Simon Feather's Notting Hill townhouse at some ungodly hour. Well, that was their relationship. Uh, Hunch was always calling him in the middle of the night when he couldn't sleep or or whatever and then they, they would talk shop and maybe play a game of chess yeah this was nothing unusual in and of itself but you know there's something in hunch's tone now that rings alarm bells oh yeah feathers was tuned in yeah yeah he'd never heard hunch quite in this mood before and you know right off the bat he said well what the hell's the matter david what's on your mind old chap yeah yeah after all the shit we've been through together come on you, you can tell me anything you know but hunch just says look feathers i'm pulling the plug You're pulling... What? What the hell, David? Look, just be there tomorrow and have my back. Click. Wow. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, look, I think you know, Andy, uh, anyone of my generation who grew up in Britain will certainly know what happens next, which is that's exactly what he does. He pulls the plug. He pulls all the plugs. Right. The morning following that call, it's like a whirlwind's been unleashed. Here's David Hunch. Here's our guy. The big pin. The big pin. He's bowling through the corridors of BBC Television Centre. And he's, you know, his eyes are a gleam. It's like this big eureka moment or something. It's uh, Mm -hmm. this road to Damascus for him. Yes, yes. And, you know, whether or not it's related to uh, this slight injury following the pin to the forehead that put him there in the first place, we'll never know. But it's as if he's infused with this... uh, yeah, yeah, like the, a burning moral mission, almost a religious zeal. Uh, to Yes, yes, and exactly. And Feathers is running to keep up. What the hell are you playing at, David? Yeah, yeah, everything we worked for, you're, you're pissing it all away, David. Right, but Hunch is just, you know, he's pulling out plug after plug from the set. He's shutting the whole thing down. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's almost the exact opposite of what someone making a TV show traditionally gets paid to do. Yeah, he's throwing out all these ideas. I'm sick of technology. Uh, all my life, I've never... Right, right. In all my eight years on this planet. Yeah, yeah. All I've seen is advancing technology, advancing technology. And you know what he said? It's making me so fucking tired, Simon. Yeah, yeah. And it took him a while because there's... Look, a television studio is littered with plugs. Which I think only went to prove his point that technology was rampant. And look, not only in television studios, uh, it was a place to start, but it's everywhere. Yeah, a lot of households had plugs by the early 90s, so so maybe he was onto something. Right, maybe it was the technology that was the problem. Maybe it had led to the complacency. Yeah, and the meows, yeah, and the whiskers and the ears and the tails. Maybe it had, maybe it had. It was as good a theory as any, but I, I yeah, don't Yeah, yeah, and not just the plugs, it was it was the excess, you know. Yeah, I think the excess infuriated him, really. Right, right. So then he goes, he starts tearing into the, you know, tearing down the set. You're right, and let, let's face it, it's a rather Baroque and over-designed set, which mm-hmm. it had gotten a little out of hand in recent seasons. I mean, you could see his point, Andy. Oh, the set was enormous, yeah. The set was, we talk about all those plugs, the set was consuming as much energy as an entire nuclear reactor could create. So it was a real drain on the economy. Right, and also part of the set was itself a life-size fully operational nuclear reactor, which required a second fully operational nuclear reactor to power it. Yeah, yeah, which in turn required a third. Exactly. You know, nuclear power is such a Ponzi scheme, really. It's just... 
It is, it yeah. is. So, you know, he cut the Gordian knot, you know, he tore it all down. The animatronic robots had to go. Yeah, yeah. Technology had gone so far that most of the actors were animatronic robots at that point. Absolutely so, correct, Andy. Yeah, they, 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 they had gone really whole hog into animatronics, as the world had. Yep. You know, so, so much of the world had done this. Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of fun at the time, but like yeah, all the rest yeah. of the glitz and glamour... You know, what had seemed like a novel uh, a novel development to begin with, yeah, yeah. people were now just going meow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, yeah, more robots. Mm, yeah, oh, a lifelike robot. Woohoo, yeah, meow. Meow, Tumblr can fly now, meow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Hunch's instincts were bang on the money, I think, uh, looking back on it, uh, on that fateful morning. Yeah, the, the morning of the pulled plug. Plug pool day. Pull gate. So long, Mr. Sparky. Bye-bye. So when the dust had finally settled, literally, Feathers pulls Hunch aside and he says, spill it. Right. I've sat quietly for long enough, David. I've watched you indulge yourself in this madness for the better part of a morning. Now, would you please have the common decency to explain to me what the Christing fuck is going on? Right. You've destroyed our stage, our robots. You know, you've pulled all the plugs. It'll be impossible to get some of those plugs back in. How in God's name are we going to make this show without plugs and robots? Right. And Hunch just looks him right in the eye and says very calmly, we're going to make it without plugs and robots, Simon. Exactly. Right. And suddenly Feathers gets it. You know, for this, look, for this extraordinary accountant who famously never dropped an actual penny, the penny dropped. Right, right. And he says, you're not, my God, you are. You're talking about a road show, aren't you, David? They were so in tune. They were so in tune. Because look, a road show is exactly what Hunch was working towards. This is the way through the malaise, you know, as he sees it. Right, right. He wants the show off the screen, away from the technological trappings of TV, and onto the open road. Yep, and sitting there amongst the decommissioned robots and pulled plugs, he laid the whole thing out. You know, he said, my vision for the road show, I see it as being a a, a communion, a, Mm, a, a communion with the people of this great nation, the great nation of Albion. Yep, yep. And Feathers said, do you mean like a sort of a, a sort of a back to the land folksy religious movement, David? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And, and David Hunch said, "Yes, that is exactly what I mean." Feathers, are you in or are you in? Yep. Are you in or are you in? Wow, wow. And then they had some Mars bars. And then they had some Mars bars. A good morning's work. But look, this uh, road show. The roadshow wasn't an easy sell because, you know, Hunch has, after all, just caused hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of criminal damage. And uh, Yeah, he hadn't asked anyone at the BBC if they would mind him reconfiguring their flagship television show as a, essentially a, a couple dozen people traveling around the land in horse-drawn wagons playing to tiny crowds of one or two hundred people in a field. Yeah, it was a, it was a surprising move, uh, you know, whichever way you looked at it. But, you know, that's where Feathers came into his own, you'd have to say. Yeah, Feathers was the fixer. He, he sat right down and got to work salvaging what he could. You know, he, he got on the phone and started making deals. Yep, he sold a lot of the set-off to developing nation states, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of the plugs, they, they were happy to have them. Yeah, they auctioned other bits off. They donated quite a substantial portion to Ratley's. Mm-hmm. Ratley's the... Uh, yeah, Ratley's famous charity, yeah, that 
celebrated institution known throughout the world, Ratley's famous charity. I remember the song, Ratley's famous charity. The famous, famous, famous cha- charity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's yeah. a good song. And, uh, you know, just as a goodwill gesture, which I, I think it demonstrates Feather's progressiveness. He's a altruistic side. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't just a numbers guy. He also took care of the robots. Uh, he found buyers as and where. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no questions asked. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them ended up in the former Soviet, you know, in the Balkans. Right, right. You know, a lot of those robots fell into the wrong hands, unfortunately. Well, I think Feathers was above all a pragmatist. I mean, you know, if they had the money, why not? Yeah, he was really just a numbers guy. Absolutely. But, you know, one way or another, uh, by the time the BBC bigwigs had uh, finally finished their lunch. Right, by and, 3.30 uh, that afternoon. And come waddling in to see what all the kerfuffle's about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the two boys have got their story straight. They've got the whole thing worked out, you know. Yeah, it was a fait accompli. Exactly. And Hunch says, look, calm down, gentlemen, calm down. We've looked at the numbers. Uh, Feathers has gone over this with a fine tooth comb. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. the bottom line is this thing is going to work. Yeah, and they were like, well, what thing? Because this is the first they've heard of any of this. Yeah, but then they looked from the wreckage of the set to the lad's earnest faces and back again and... Yeah, they got it. They totally got it. They they got it, they got it. They said, my God, you're doing a road show. You're going back to the land, aren't you? They got it, they got it. They said, this is why we bought the pins in the first place. This is why we bought the pins in the first place. So, wow. Huh. Uh, looking back on the Hunch era from this distance, th- this whole thing seems just amazing. I mean, this totally random system, and it could have been anyone, but, you know, his was the forehead that destiny decreed. Yeah, it does seem preordained because by pure chance, the BBC had stumbled on this little kid with big ideas, uh, you know, some very well-developed ideas, in fact. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think he knew how to delegate, too. That was another of his strengths. Just very instinctive or, or talented. I don't know what you'd call it. but uh, Yeah, yeah. To hire Simon Feathers, right, who's right. clearly the right boy for the job, because... Who else but Feathers could have made the numbers work? Yes, I mean, it was Hunch's vision, but without Feathers there to clean up the mess, I think he would have been out on his ear, Andy. Uh, oh, right, right, right. But as it is, they... <laughs> yeah, as it is, they've put themselves in the driver's seat here, and, you know, now they have to deliver this thing, this roadshow. So uh, how do they set about it, Andy? Well, step one, they pare down the cast, just a core cast, you know, a very small, focused ensemble. Right, because, you know, what kind of stories does Hunch want to tell now? Who does he need to get his message over? So, uh, yes, one guy to play Tumblr, obviously. Uh, yeah. We yeah. need, he said, uh, we need the postmistress. She's essential. Postmistress Millie, of course, the fans love her. We need, uh, we need Lord Parkey, he said. Ah, uh, Lord Parkey, of course, good old Lord Parkey. Uh, oh, we need Hoffman. Yeah, they kept Hoffman, uh, the angry German pub owner, Hoffman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it, Tumblr, Millie, uh, Lord Parkey, Hoffman, and uh, we're basically there. Yeah, yeah, that's the show. Ah, but then he says, no, hang on a minute, one more character. Yeah, wow, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. Okay. The magic wizard. The magic wizard, yeah. And oh, did heads explode, I mean, in the national <laughs> press, when even, right. you know, b- before the character was even cast, before a single line was written, word had gotten out that magic was coming to tumblers. Yes, yes. And I, look, I think a wizard would have been fine. Uh, yeah. That wouldn't yeah. have ruffled any feathers, <laughs> if you'd like. No. But a, a magic wizard? Yeah. Unheard of, mate. Unheard of. Unheard of. 
Yeah. Britain was on tenterhooks. Yeah, yeah. Just, just. But I'm afraid we're going to have to leave you guys on tenterhooks as well, because uh, right. it's here that we'll say goodbye for now to our young heroes, Hunch and Feathers. Yeah, loading their cast and crew onto the back of a small horse-drawn wagon. Plodding their plans and munching their Mars bars as they prepare to take tumblers back to the people. Do join us next time to find out how it all goes down. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now, tumbleheads. Bye. Podcast Network.